Welcome everybody to Dad Talk Live. I'm your host Viz and I am honored tonight to welcome our very special guest who we all know as Shelly from Friday the 13th Part 3, Larry Zerner. Larry, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Viz. Thanks for sending. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. And before we get to anything else, I got to ask you, you're on the set of Friday the 13th Part 3, you're filming... The production team hands you this hockey mask. What is the first thought that goes through your mind? <laughs> no, I just have no, because the first shot, you know, I guess was that me coming out of the water. And so it was just something to have. I don't think, you know, certainly there was no thought like this is going to be the most iconic. Mm-hmm mask in the history of motion pictures nothing like that and the production team had no idea either that they would use it in the rest of every friday the 13th movie to follow they they didn't know there was going to be another one i mean they really <laughs> thought that uh you know uh you know the second one had done okay but they you know the third one you know if the third one had bombed that would have been it you know but the third one did Almost as well as the first one. I mean, exactly. it was, we were number, it was yeah, we were a big hit. Was, yeah, we were number one for the first two weeks at the box office. It was a big deal. So. It, it was awesome. I loved the third one. Uh, so when, you know, how does it feel knowing that your character is the one that gave Jason Voorhees this iconic mask? Do people still recognize you? Uh, as Shelley from Friday the 13th Part 3? Well, in my day-to-day life, I, you know, I don't get recognized now. It's been uh, 39 years, so no. I mean, if I go to conventions or I'm at a horror thing, someone might, you know, then I, then I get recognized. But otherwise, uh, no one really recognizes me. But as for how does it feel, I mean, I, you know, every actor, I didn't have much of an acting career. I certainly didn't have the acting career that I was hoping for. But the fact that I get that footnote in film history is fantastic. It's amazing. And, you know, that I can tell anybody, you know, you know, they go, what did you do as an actor? And I go, I gave Jason his hockey mask. There's nobody who doesn't understand yeah. what that is. Nobody. Exactly. Um, so that's uh, it's pretty amazing. So last week we had uh, Russell Todd, who was in the second movie, and mm-hmm. I was just looking through the timeline. Paramount was pumping the first three, four movies out like year after year after year. When yeah. you were filming the third one, which is in 3D, and we'll get to that in a little bit, uh, was the second one just premiering? Where was the second one when you guys were filming the third one? Well, we didn't. So we didn't start filming the third one until March of 1982. Okay. And the movie came out August 13th. Wow. So that's a five months from starting filming to to out. So So the movie, part two, would come out sometime in the summer of 81. So it was long, you know. Yeah, we were not, it was not on our radar, really. Okay, okay. Now, did you guys, when, uh, well, first let's explain the, the story on how you got the role of Shelley. Is it true that you were discovered while being a, a ticket handler and that's how you got the role? Well, sort of, sort of. So I had a job uh, here in, I'm in Los Angeles and uh, we have these movie uh, previews, you know, to test screenings. Mm-hmm. And so I had a job handing out passes to uh, to screenings of movies that was that was so i was in westwood on a saturday night um uh handing out tickets to a movie no one had ever heard of called the road warrior um oh, they know right? nobody no one, nobody <laughs> knew what that was do you want to see the war Warrior? no you know so i'm trying to do it and uh um uh these two people come up to me and they said uh excuse me are you an actor and I thought like maybe they had seen me is in in Greece at Fairfax High School because you know what else are you going to see me in? Uh, uh, but I but I was a you know I was an actor. I, I I was studying theater at college. I wanted to be a professional actor, and I said yeah, I'm an actor. 
And they said, well, we wrote this movie and we think uh, you'd be perfect for it. And th that was Carol Watson and Marty Katrasser, the writers, and they had seen it. They saw me and they just went, you know, I had the big afro and and fat and nerdy. And they're like, that's Shelly. And yeah, that, that was Shelly. Um, when did you find out that it was Friday the 13th Part 3? And were you familiar with the Friday the 13th franchise? Well, they said that, that, I mean, I said, you know, they said we wrote this movie and I, you know, I said, what was the movie? And they said, right, they're doing three. So I knew immediately what it was. I don't think I had seen either movie, okay. either one or two. I'm pretty sure I had not seen either one or two, um, but I knew what it was. I knew yeah. the title. So that, that was it. And then, uh, so I gave them my, I had an agent, so I gave them my agent's contact information. That was so that was a Saturday night, and then on Tuesday I got a call to go and audition, and then and then I auditioned. I mean, they you know they're the writers; they can't give me the role, so I had to go audition for Steve, and yeah. and I had like and then I had like three callbacks to get the role. I you know I don't know who else was up for the role, but there were other people up for the role. So Steve Miner also directed the second one. He was brought back to do the third one. What was your experience working with Steve? Uh, well, Steve was was great. Uh, you know, he's he's he was very assured. You know, even though it was just his second movie, but there was a lot of technical pro. You know, a lot of technical challenges with part three to do a three D movie. We were really the first of this this eighties wave of three D. Um, that uh, that there was one movie before us coming at you and then, and then us, and then it became Amityville and Jaws and all those other ones, but basically because of the success of, of part three, cause it was, it was just a huge hit. And, uh, and it was a big challenge. They were using a brand new technique that this Polaroid, uh, polarized camera. They had a special camera with, with two lenses and it, it was never, it really never been done before. And uh, so that was really where Steve's, focus was to, to part of the pun uh exactly. to, to get the 3d down because that's it's, it's and, tough and i remember back in those days i mean when a 3d movie came out it was a big deal now that every movie has a like a 3d version of it pretty much every big budget movie it's but, available yeah, they sort of stopped doing it yeah but yeah. they did for a while yeah yeah but it was a big deal back in the 80s it was brand new everybody was really excited about it uh, this being your first film, uh, I guess not having any prior films to compare it to. So, but besides the equipment, were you asked anything special as an actor to play into the whole 3D aspect of it? Only on a couple, you know, there's a couple of shots where you had to like, you know, where I'm juggling and you have to, you know, you throw the apple at the camera or it's the wallet, you have to throw it at the camera. Otherwise, for the actor, you're if you're just in the scene, it's not there's nothing else. Other unless there's a specific three D yeah. effect you're trying to go for. Now let's go to Shelley's death. It is it happens, you know, soon after you pop out of that lake with the hockey mask and the fish kill and you scare her, she gets upset at you, and then you sort of wander off. We don't I've seen the movie dozens of times. It's been a while <laughs> since I've last seen it, but correct me if I'm wrong, we don't actually see your death on the screen. We see you sort of afterwards when you've been all bloodied up. Am I correct? In my yeah, memory? right. No, right. You, you don't see, there's no, they never shot a death scene because there was that thing where he comes in to the door and his throat is cut and then... Chili says, uh, nice makeup job. Like maybe he's faking again. Yeah. So maybe it's a joke. Now I think at this point, you know, he's not joking, but they never, they never shot a, uh, a death scene that was never scripted. That was always the, the way it was done. So we watch in the barn and then, and then Jason comes out of the barn, right. Yeah. And kills Vera. So, you know, it's just, right. She's like, you were in the hockey mask and you're Shelly. You're yeah. not Shelly, right. She's, and honestly, the the way that Vera died when he used uh, the that the fish yeah. gun, yeah, the, yeah, that is one of my favorite Jason kills. Uh, oh, it's great. I loved it. The way he just rolled up on the deck and she's in the water grabbing the wallet. Uh, Shelly, Shelly, Shelly. And you see Jason line up behind that pole, line up that shot. 
And it was such a great 3D shot because the arrow comes straight at the audience right. and hits her square in the eye. Out of all the movies, that has to be one of my top three favorite Jason kills. Uh, now, when you read that script, uh, well, first of all, how did you feel about the horror genre before even doing this uh, movie? Were you a fan uh, of the oh, horror genre? I was genre? a huge horror fan. Yeah, okay. yeah, I was a huge, since I was like 11 or 12, I remember when I was 11 and 12, I had like, I went through a few, a huge like Frank, you know, cl classic universal monsters phase, you know, Frankenstein, Wolfman, uh, Dracula, all that stuff. So being and then, a, oh, go on. Yeah. And then I remember when I seeing Dawn of the Dead opening night uh, as I was 16 and that that movie changed my life. That was it was no movie had scared me like that. It was just that that first 15 minutes section of Dawn of the Dead is just the greatest. I love it. So great. I love it. In the building and with all that. Now, when you're reading the script as a horror fan, what did you think of the story for Friday the 13th Part 3? Did you like where they were going with it? I mean, I don't know that I I could have that kind of gestalt, you know, reaction to the whole movie because it's like you're just looking at yourself, uh, and and so I, I I don't even know that I, how much I you know like read it after you know oh Shelley's dead well I don't need to read the rest you know what's going on? <laughs> I think I, I think I knew what was going on but. But it's like, okay, whatever. I mean, it's like it's hard to it's hard to read them because so much of the movies is the music and the you know seeing it exactly. as opposed to just reading. You know, Jason chases so and so. Jason yeah. stabs so and so. So when you uh, when it's done and you said it came out in the summer of eighty uh, two, I believe you said yeah. uh, when you're watching the final product, and of course it's different when you're acting in a movie and shooting it as opposed to when you're actually sitting down in the theater and you see. The, the finished product. Uh, did you love the movie? Did you like the movie? What were your thoughts? Well, the first time we I saw it, we had a cast and crew screening, and it was just kind of weird to see my, like, the, just the idea of seeing myself was just kind of weird, right? Yeah. So getting over that. And then, oh, no, the first time I saw it was before that. There was a test screening, and I and I found out about it, and I sort of crashed it. Um, so it was, it was, so I saw a rough cut and that was kind of weird. And then I saw the cast and crew, but really it was opening night, uh, in Westwood that I went to go see it and see it with, you know, with a real crowd and they, it was completely sold out and they loved it. It was, it played so well. And some of the, the three, for those people listening, and I know most, the vast majority have only seen it on video. Or you know on television and and not in 3D mm -hmm. or seen it on TV 3D which is horrible. Yeah. The the the, the theatrical 3D 3D was really good. It was it was not the red and blue 3D. It was polarized 3D. It was clear glasses. It looked great. And I remember like Rick's eyeball death. That was like, awesome. The whole audience jumped. Whoop. The whole crowd just went bam. You know like that eyeball went right there. Right there, right, right. I was, and, uh, and and it was just so that, that kind of that was just so much fun. It was so much fun. Uh, did you, now the character of Shelley is actually still active today. Uh, uh, you know, just looking at your IMDb credits, Shelley yeah. has stuck with you uh, till you know. Very recently, you've been doing stuff. You've been involved in the uh, video game of Friday the 13th. Yeah. Uh, obviously, when you got the role, you had no idea that 30-plus years later, this character would still be relevant in your life. How do you feel about, like, in 2017, you, you know, Shelly, Shelly, Shelly? How, how does that make you feel that this character... Uh, has stayed with you for so long. Well, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a it's a great escape. Um, I, you know, I, I I mostly gave up acting, uh, and I'm a lawyer now. But once in a while, I get to go and do something and play Shelley and 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 you know, I was an actor. I wanted to be an actor, and I still love doing that. And having that opportunity is is fantastic, and it's a gift. 
And I'm so I'm so happy that it, sometimes I get to do it. It's it's great. Yeah, and people. I mean, you gotta you know be realistic. There are people who uh, never get the opportunity to get a role like Shelley, and they've been acting yeah. for years. Yeah, I mean, I certainly I know lots of lots of actors who were better than me and have had long careers, but don't have that kind of part that has that kind of cachet and the fact that I got to be in a video game I got to be a video game character which I is is mind-blowing I mean that's such a like bucket list item that like you never think you're gonna get it's great absolutely now we uh our guest last week told us that part two was filmed in Connecticut where did part three get filmed we filmed it all in just outside of Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, in uh, um, Silmar and uh, um, yeah, Silmar, California, which is uh, <laughs> uh, north, just north of uh, the valley. Okay. Okay. Now uh, you just told us about how quick it was from when principal photography started to when it hit the theaters. How much time? did you guys actually spend on the set? It sounded like you guys were done in under a month. No, it took three months to film. Wow. It took a long, because it was so slow. We, it, because the 3D just took forever. Okay. The 3D took so long. Every shot set up just took two, it, would, it was never less than two hours to do a shot set up. So wow. you do a master and then, you know, you and then you're doing, a, you know, a page, half a page of script and then it's and then it's two hour break before you come back and do the and do the coverage wow it, it just took it so everything just took forever i mean and it, it makes yeah. sense it was still sort of a brand new technology that was being brought into film so no one had done this this 3d technique because i had uh, later i i had a long uh, talk with the uh the cinematographer at a convention and he was talking about how he he basically invented it Okay. Uh, in 3D history, I think Friday the 13th, the, even all the other movies back then, uh, they don't compare to uh, the 3D that is today. Like me being a product of the 80s and going and watching 3D movies and having the movies actually done like Friday the 13th Part 3 when Chris's eye pops out uh, with the yeah. arrow coming straight at you. Today's movies, they're done in 3D. Uh, it, like you said, it is sort of waning uh, now again. Uh, but they're not filmed in a particular way to utilize the whole 3D aspect of f objects coming flying at right. you. So it was really something special back then. Uh, you know, that the filmmakers took full advantage of this new technology and made it a part of the audience and made the audience feel like they were in the movie itself. Yeah. Uh, so you are still active in uh, the entertainment industry. You are a lawyer. Are you an entertainment lawyer? Yes, I'm an entertainment lawyer. So how does that feel? I mean, going from acting uh, did you pursue acting after Friday the 13th? And at which point did you like say to yourself, okay, you know what? Maybe this isn't the way it's going to work out the way I want. I want to do this. How? Walk us through how that played out in your life. Well, yeah, I mean, I was only 18 when I did the movie. I mean, I was, you know, not even a year out of high school. And and I was studying acting at, at theater and and. At, college and I and I got a degree in theater arts at, at, from college and then so I, and I was auditioning throughout that time and then after and then you know I was like three years out of college and I'm still not you know I'm not making any I'm not making a living and yeah. so uh, my dad was a lawyer and he he offered to pay for law school and I'm like well I got nothing else going so we'll see what happens so uh, that's so, but it turns out I have I, I I did really well on the LSAT and uh, did really well in law school. It, it, it seems I it's a good match for me, and I, I I do great. I have great clients, and I represent a bunch of people in the horror industry, which is which is lots of fun. Uh, that's that's awesome. I uh, you know I have got a glimpse over this last year behind the Hollywood curtain. You know, as this show has progressed, 
I have a, a law firm on retention now. If, and if you would have asked me two years ago, you would have an entertainment lawyer, I would have laughed you know, straight in your face. And it's just so, uh, this world is so complex, this Hollywood world with rights and uh, contracts. And there's so <laughs> much that people don't understand that never have to deal with it, uh, sure. with everything. Is it, are you as a lawyer just overwhelmed, especially in Los Angeles, which is the Rome of film and television? <laughs> right. I mean, you must be just up to your eyeballs in work all day. Well, it keeps me busy. Like, you know, knock wood. I, it's good. I mean, you know, I, I can make a living as a lawyer and I, but I love what I do and I love my clients and it's great. Now, do you, uh, there is a project coming up that says that you are filming called The Epidemic and you play a character <laughs> named Tim. What can you tell us about that? So you're obviously I, I, still active in the industry somewhat. Well, I have, I have clients who make movies and they are kind enough to give me parts in their movies. So I'll come on and do a, a uh, so, like, I did a, you know, a, a, a part in Knights of Bad Astem, Joe Lynch's movie, and I did a part in um, uh, The Murder of Nicole Brown Simpson, uh, Me and My Dog. That was fun. Um, the Epidemic uh, is a movie, I think, like, eight years ago, that guy said, you're in this movie, and uh, never heard back from him. So, don't know what's going on with the Epidemic. Uh, that's Hollywood. One day me. he'll get the funding. He's still looking for funding. Yeah. <laughs> Going into a movie as your first feature film that was so successful, part of a successful franchise, uh, do you think, looking back on your years now, that it gave you a false sense of, hey, you know what, I can totally conquer Hollywood, and then maybe, and things did not quite turn out the way you wanted them afterwards? Uh, do you kind? Of, is there even a little piece of part of you that said, you know what? I wish Shelley never happened and I would have just went to Hollywood. I would have went to law school and I'm doing now what I love to do. No, no, okay. no. I love that Shelley happened. It's such a great part of my life. It's let me meet so many great people because and, and literally and go around the United States because I get to go to conventions, which are so much fun. I love going to conventions and meeting people. And it's such a joy. Uh yeah, it was. I mean, it was nice to have that part, but I, I mean, to have that right off the bat. If it hadn't happened, I don't think that there was. This, no, I, I, I. It's good that I had this, and I have this, this thing to, to that I can look back on and say, well, I did this. I starred in this movie, and it was a big hit movie, and and I was part of film history. Exactly. It's, it's exactly. Now, when you were in law school, and uh, I guess there comes a time where you got to pick your specialty, did you know right away that entertainment law is what you wanted to do? Yes. Yeah, I, I, it was always the plan to be to be specialized in entertainment and copyright law. That's what I wanted to do, always, and that's what I did. That's... So I was really fortunate that I could do that. Now, do your clients often use... Uh... You know, I'm sure your clients uh, come to you, whether it be for advice, to look over a contract. Uh, now, for our people out there, like me, a while ago, when I was, you know, I got an entertainment lawyer and I got that lawyer to a reference through my manager. Uh, mm -hmm. If people out there, how important for actors or directors, you know, aspiring actors and directors, how important is it to have an attorney on your side, uh, just waiting in case something does land in your lap? It, well, it's a, for actors, not so important at the early stages. You're, you're going to get union, whatever minimum, your agent should be able to protect you. The union stuff is there to protect you. You don't really, the lawyer's not going to be able to do much. You don't have any clout, you know, uh, directors, uh, if you're doing anything other than just a work for hire, you know, just being hired on, but you're really part of it, you should have a lawyer look at your stuff. Writers really need a lawyer. Producers definitely need a lawyer. If you're selling stuff, selling rights, you definitely, you should have a lawyer look at your stuff. How has your experience in uh, like Friday the 13th, would you say that it's 
definitely helped you bring that experience in the movie, bringing it into the uh, law part of your life and what you're doing. Oh, right absolutely. Now. I mean, I've, I've had a number of cases. I, one of my first cases, um, was a lawsuit over, uh, a horror movie called darkness falls. Uh, and it was a copyright case and, and you had to understand the importance of what a horror film villain monster was that, what does that mean? And it, it was, you know, if that, you needed a background in horror to understand the how to how to work this case and, mm -hmm. and yeah i mean some of the so a lot of my cases yeah the fact that i have this knowledge is is very helpful and sometimes people call me because of that they know that i have this knowledge about horror stuff and uh and that helps one of the things that a lot of uh entertainment fans not just horror all entertainment fans uh, where they get lost in is in the rights issue to a particular character and so on. I'm going to give you an example. Uh, the Hannibal Lecter uh, story, okay? <laughs> yeah. Now, there is a, uh, that is so complicated. Several years ago, Hannibal was released on NBC on a show called Hannibal. They had to stop that because when it came time to do the Clarice Starling storyline, they did not have rights to Clarice. So that show stopped. Now there's a new show called Clarice. And obviously they have the rights to the Clarice storyline, but they are not allowed to use the Hannibal name whatsoever. Right. How right. can a story that was you know, written by one person when it comes to television or film have the rights be so fragmented? And I'm asking this out of my own curiosity because I'm still trying to fully understand how a concept that was created together by an author, but when it comes to film, the rights get so fragmented. Mm -hmm. uh, well, uh, we talk about copyright as the pie that you can slice it up any way you want. And at some point, uh, uh, you know, they, they sliced up the Silence of the Lambs pie to say, okay, we just want Hannibal. We just want, because we want to make those movies. So, right, they, the, when they made the other Hannibal mm -hmm. movie and the, um, there were a couple, right? Because yeah. it was really Anthony Hopkins because yeah. they weren't, weren't going to do Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins. So Hannibal got put, right, someone bought those rights and the right to make, to do stuff with Hannibal Lecter in, TV shows and movies, and then they could do whatever they want. And they didn't stop because of Clarice. They just stopped because whatever. They stopped because of the show. Yeah. They could have kept going. They just couldn't use Clarice. They Clarice. could make up new stories with, um, uh, with Hannibal. Just like, you know, Dexter had is based on certain books, and then they just went on their own. They just made up new stories about Dexter. Yeah. Um, and then, so... Hannibal rights were owned by, I think, are owned by MGM, and uh, the, the Clarice rights were owned by Orion, and then they said, okay, well, let's make, let's take uh, the Clarice rights, and we'll make a TV show out of that. So you couldn't divide anything up. However, it's a sort of like, I mean, if you, it's sort of like saying the Avengers, well, you have the Avengers, but the Avengers are Iron Man, and Thor, and Captain America, and Spider-Man, and the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? You can just it's all, you just split them up, you put them together, you can do what you want. So Marvel can actually sell the rights, this is just done as, as an example, to just Iron Man and sell it out well, of Well, you know, Spider-Man is owned, right? Spider-Man is owned by Sony. Yeah. Right, Sony, the, right Spider-Man was, you know, that, that, that they offered Sony all the, all the Marvel characters and, Mar and for $25 million and Sony, in the you know, biggest mistake of their oh, life, yeah. said, no, we just want Spider-Man. We'll just take Spider-Man. So, yeah, you can just take any of them. Oh, and man. Fantastic Four, right? Fantastic Four yeah. is was with Fox. Now they're back with uh, so yeah. yeah, you could you can you could divide it up however you want. It's it, nice. It's it's no wonder that because of all this division that there are so many lawsuits when it comes to rights and what you can use what you're not allowed to use. I mean, to the whole Hannibal thing, they're not even allowed to say the name. You know, so it's it's very 
It's very confusing. I'm just. Well, I, I think they could. They just don't. I think they. I don't think that they really could get sued if they said the word Hannibal, but whatever. They've made some. They've made some references to him. Oh yeah, on they, the show, sort of oblique references. Exactly. Right? They go. If they say that you know. Anyway. Yeah, they but go. They've, over, they've made a decision not to. Yeah, they go around him by referencing him as the therapist, but never have yeah. actually uh, said his name. How has COVID, uh, from your side as a lawyer perspective, uh, when COVID hit last year, did you see a decrease in business uh, at all? Or did it stay on the lawyer side pretty even keel for you? It it was down like uh, April, May was very down. And then June started to get busy again. And from July on, it was it was busier than ever. So, so everything, uh, that was just me. Yeah, and everything is uh, back to normal now, you would say, as far as your end of it? Pretty much. Now, uh, walk us through the Friday the 13th game. Uh, you said that must have been so much fun to do. Uh, I mean, explain to us, you know, what is that like to be a voiceover and to have your likeness onto a video game? Uh, when you first went into it, when you were offered to do the game, did it turn out to be exactly what you were expecting? Was it better than what you expected? What was that like? Well, so I had met the guys from Gun who made the game like a year before the game came out. They came out here to the E3, which is the electronic expo, um, uh, to 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 show the game and I uh, we had a mutual friend and went to go see him and they weren't even at E3 they couldn't afford to be in E3 they had just rented a, a, a hotel room nearby and we went there and we looked at it and they were showing me a demo which didn't have anything and and I was like oh man this this thing sucks this is gonna be horrible I don't know what's gonna happen here you need me to close that window no no it's fine okay. All right. Um, so I met them, and uh, and so that was early on. And then a year later, the game came out. It was great. I they had and event, originally they only the only character from the game from the movie was Tom Matthews' um, okay. yeah. character. Yeah. Uh, and then um, and the other characters were people from Kickstarter who had contributed to the Kickstarter. And uh, um, then the game was a huge success. So they had the ability to add other people to the game and because I had met them and then um, so I'd stayed in contact with them and they're like, okay, Larry, you get to be in the game. And I was like, yeah, you know, great. Yeah. So um, I didn't get to do the motion capture that, because that was all the same for all the characters, but I got yeah. to go in, record my voice, which was really challenging to do that kind of voice acting because uh, you have to do a lot of screaming. Yeah. Um, very. You don't get any chance to um, to prepare. You're just like, oh my god, they're dead. You know, you got to do that over and over again. It's, it's 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 it was challenging. It was, but it was a lot of fun. So uh, that sounds like, that sounds like a blast to do, and it's something I don't know. It just sounds like just a lot of fun to do the voiceovers and then see your digital image likeness on a computer game. Yeah, and then to play, and then to play, and it, it's so great because now my um, my PlayStation uh, avatar is me. It's me from the game, and it's like. Who gets to do that, right? How many people out there get to be them, you know, have an actually computer game avatar? Yeah. That is so cool. Uh, looking back now uh, on the Friday the 13th franchise, uh, especially the first four movies, which in my opinion are the best ones, uh, what do you attribute it to, you know, as a fan that made it so successful? What, I mean, was it just a you know, Paramount pushing the boundaries a little bit with the horror, the gore, because you can't say it was new. It had been done before. What made Friday the 13th so successful, in your opinion? Well, a few things. I mean, one, I mean, the stories are simple. You know, you're you're going for that teen audience and the, the cast is all teenagers and, and they're just going out there and getting killed. There's not, you know, it's, it's they're easy films to to deal with. 
and also the the when we when we came out we really came out at the beginning of the video era right the, the yeah. vhs tapes really just started in that early 80s right mm-hmm. with we sort of grew with the things and so kids you know would rent these movies and 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 watch them over and over and so they sort of became ingrained in 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 to people of a certain age i'm sure your age right they're yeah. just like i saw them over and over i watch it's they, part of my childhood movies. it's part right, of my we rent the movies yeah. and we we the guys would come over we watch right you know it had a little bit of nudity a little bit of gore you know and so and it's ingrained and then more and then they you know those people would as they grew up they'd show it to their younger siblings and and it became a thing and i realized you know to the extent like when i was a kid and i loved the classic universal monsters which were roughly you know uh from when i was 11 they were 40 years old right so now like now it's like I'm I'm th- my movie is the same age as yeah. Frankenstein was to me when I was. So it's like it's it's bizarre. You know? <laughs> uh, looking back on the movie, uh, there were some great kill scenes. Uh, the two that stand out to me, as I told you about Vera getting the arrow in the eye, that's probably my favorite. If you had to pick between Chris getting his eyeball popped out Rick. by J- Rick. Rick, sorry, Rick, getting his eyeball <laughs> popped out by squeezing his head, or I believe Andy getting sliced Andy. in half while walking on his hands. Which one did you like better? Well, Andy's the, 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 the you know, that's a great kill, but in 3D, the eyeball yeah. is the best. It's the best. It's just, it's such a great, uh, it was just such a great moment. And it's, I still can picture that moment in my head. Yeah. So the first time. And um, it's seared. With Andy, you know, you know he's walking out. That's on a his... great deal too. They're both great deals. Yeah. They're both great. They are great. I just remember he walks out of the room on his hands and he comes oh. right back into the hallway. And then when he came back, you saw Jason's legs right there. And then the next thing he looks up and poor guy gets sliced right in half. Uh, it's just classic. What do you think... Now, slasher films were the the big hit, the big thing back in the late 70s, early 80s. That's where we got Michael Myers. That's where we got Jason Voorhees. And then a little bit later on, we got Freddy Krueger. Uh, do you think that the slasher movies, which have faded in popularity, uh, do you think they should be just left back into the 80s or do you really think there is a legitimate route to revitalizing interest to camp counselors getting killed or masked men you know like michael myers breaking into your house well i mean the success of halloween you know two years ago was shows there's, there's an audience for it and they're doing two more i mean there would have been without covid right two would have come out last oh, yeah. year and three would come out this year now the new one will come out the second one will come out this year um i think it's called halloween kills it is yeah and and uh yeah i mean so i think there is you know i it, it it's i'm i'm upset that they're not making friday new friday 13th movies because of this lawsuit and so it's frustrating because they should be doing more they easily could do more and and, and people would go see them it is frustrating because michael myers was able you know has you know, endured uh, through many different, you know, reboots, remakes. Uh, John Carpenter with the one that came out in 2018. He's like, you know, he wanted us to forget everything that happened after the first one and say, this is the sequel. And that's all great. You know, there are different ways to look at it. There's so many films. There's There's only so many ways you can keep a story in a linear way and continue it on without going back and asking the audience to, okay, reimagine the franchise if it would have gone this way. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think that's very unique. And it is sad what's going on with Friday the 13th, because I think if it's done correctly, uh, it is a franchise that can be revitalized. Uh, sure. If you had to do it, if let's say put yourself in the writer's position or the person bringing it back, how would you 
bring back or reboot Jason back into popularity? Okay, it's all about Shelly. <laughs> Shelly has an identical twin brother. That's where we start. Get we'll Shelly back on, yeah? We go on from there. That Obviously, that is the key. To, uh, wouldn't it be great if, you know, we all know Shelly was the prankster, if his death scene was all a big prank. And he that's never, right. We show him getting up. Yeah. And <laughs> hey, where did everybody go? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he was sort of the awkward, socially awkward person. And, you know, he saw what was going on with Jason and he just booked it. He booked it. And, you know, don't be surprised if tomorrow you get a call from Paramount. Hey, we're bringing back Friday the 13th. And we're making you like, you know, the protagonist against Jason. That would be something. That's uh, that's, that's how they should do it. Yeah. <laughs> seriously, though, if that actually even even in something close to that happening, would you be interested in starring in another Friday the 13th feature film? Of course. What? What? Of course. <laughs> I mean, it would be, it would be, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, why, why wouldn't you? It was just such an iconic uh, role and franchise. It's going to be in the history lore, how it moves forward, whether these lawsuits get resolved or not, who knows, but what we already have has etched its place in history, in horror history at least now not only did in friday the 13th you give jason his mask not willingly but he takes it from you but also at the end of the movie while uh, chris uh hits jason in the head in the axe uh in the face and then we get that that slit on jason's mask that was also given in the same movie that he got that mask so part three, uh, all you know, from him getting the mask to the big slice in the mask, has endured like for it endured for another eight, nine movies and so on. Uh, is it true to the rumors that when they were trying to pick the prop that you were going to wear as a mask when you jumped out of the lake, they were? I've read some articles where it was just a lazy decision and they just found the closest thing, which was like a Red Wings hockey mask. And that's what they gave you. Well, no, that can't be true because they made many different masks. They had to make them from the mold because they had different sizes of masks and they had to do things. So, no, this wasn't just like, oh, here's a mask, put it on. But I wasn't there to make the, you know, on the decision. Yeah. So I don't know what's true. But no, it was not there. There was thought because at some point they went to a mask maker and said, make some hockey masks. Okay. They didn't just go to the store and buy yeah. some masks. Yeah, because there were rumors that were circulating where, you know, the way Jason's hockey mask came into existence is because the production team in part three just, you know, picked a prop up just to give Shelly. And then Jason would probably wear it for you know maybe the rest of the movie and then it would be gone. No, no, not, absolutely not true. Okay, good, good. Uh, I'm glad because, you know, as true fans of the Friday the 13th franchise, to know that there was a lot of thought, you know, at least some thought that went into that mask that had endured for the rest of the franchise, it means something. It really means uh, a lot moving forward. Now, in the scene where you and Andy are juggling that fruit in the air, you mentioned it earlier, about the yeah. 3D effects. Uh, when it came to you guys juggling fruit, were there, did, they, did the director try different objects of you guys juggling, or was it always set that you guys were just going to be juggling this fruit and that's it? Yeah, that was it. it was, <laughs> I, I, there, there originally was a scene, I think this way that was written is that we were going to do paddle balls, you mm -hmm. know, those... Uh, you know, you so you do that, and the ball would come. To, 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 but they realized you can't get the ball to go into the, the the ball will go like that. Yeah, the ball goes like that. It comes back, but it goes out. So it didn't work. It didn't. So work. then they they shifted to the juggling. And then uh, also another three D moment is the yo yo. Yeah, 
You know, when uh, yeah. the yo-yo gets spun out. Andy, just, Andy does the road. Yeah, yeah, so many great scenes in that movie. Uh, when it comes, uh, again, going to a fan, how... Because a lot of people who starred in Friday the 13th movies have not watched all of them. And, you know, to be honest, I don't blame them. And, you know, when Jason goes to space... It sort of gets a little bit out of control and into the ridiculous side. Do you consider yourself uh, right now in the present time a true hardcore Friday the 13th fan? Or are you like, you know, eh, it's okay. It's something I'm a part of. I'm proud of it. How do you feel about it? Well, I don't I don't go watch the other movies. Um, so... You didn't uh, watch uh, either uh, anything I, after part three? Oh, I have I have watched them. Well, after part three, I didn't go see another movie until Jason Takes Manhattan. That okay. was the next time I went to the theater to see a movie. And then I saw, and then I didn't see Jason Goes to Hell. And then I saw Jason X yeah. and, and the remake and the, and the Brady versus Jason in the theater. And then but over the years, I like, when I was working on, I was doing the legal work on Crystal Lake Memories, the book. And then so that like Peter Brackey said, oh, you got to watch four. So then I watched four uh, and I'd see and one I'd seen one. And so I'd seen them all. I'd seen them all over the year. And then I think two years ago they had a screening of seven. And I went to see that in the at the at the Chinese theater. Um, uh, and I was surprised at how. Man, that sh- that movie is so poor- is so horribly edited. It's really hard to watch. <laughs> I, so hard to watch. I agree. I agree. It's like a porn movie where they <laughs> cut away every time someone takes off their clothes. <laughs> uh, there are lawsuits involved, but as far as what we do know, who actually, which studio actually owns the rights to the Friday the Thirteenth franchise if they wanted to reboot it? Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. Yeah. Uh, now, it was Paramount that... Right, but they sold it to Warner Brothers. They sold it to Warner Brothers. Part 3 was still part of Paramount. Am I correct? It was. Yeah. Okay, okay. But uh, I think that... I think there there was some deal, I think, of, uh, involving the movie Interstellar, where that, that somehow they wanted Interstellar and they gave them back the Friday the 13th rights. They shifted over. So I think... I'm pretty sure Warner Brothers owns all the rights to the movies now and distributes the movies now. Okay. So okay. like that screen box last year was uh, like Warner Brothers licensed it to scream. I'm pretty. Okay. Uh, I'm okay. Pretty sure. Cool. Well, you know, Larry, thank you so much for being here with us. Just one final question. Uh, looking back uh, on your role in Friday the 13th part three, uh obviously everyone wishes that they don't die in the movie that they're in um do you look back because your character was so it, it was a great character he was fun you felt bad for him because he was really uh he was did not know how to behave socially he was a little socially awkward and you played him so well we as the audience felt sympathy for shelly because all he wanted to do was be friends, and he didn't know exactly. Oh, how- he wanted to get laid. He wanted. <laughs> he wanted. Yes, there is that aspect, absolutely. <laughs> but you played him so brilliantly. Looking back, is there anything that you would have done differently with that character? Well, on the first day, Steve. Miner said, he said, Larry, don't do a character, just be yourself. And, and really that was, I mean, Shelly was me in so many ways. I mean, that's, that's what I looked like. I was, Shelly was a wannabe actor. I was a wannabe actor. You know, these were, it was not hard. Like I didn't have to, I didn't create, you know, it wasn't like Sean Penn creating some role, you know, really was just, well, how would, what would Larry do, you know, in terms of the, the sense memory of, of, of the, taking on the character. So, um, then, you know, there are part like that in the first scene I go, ah, I, I could do that better. It was like one of the early days of filming. And I, I said, ah, I could probably do that better. <laughs> like, that's more of my reaction. But sometimes I look at some of the scenes and I go, Oh, that's pretty good there. 
Oh, yeah. Pretty good for it my was, first movie. It was great, and I got to <laughs> tell you, you know, there are not that many uh, characters, especially in these types of movies, slashers. You know, they're in. You know, they're going to eventually die. Yeah, there'll be that last girl standing at the end of the movie, uh, like with Adrian King in the first one. She was the last girl standing, only to yeah. be killed in the first five minutes of the second one. So there are not that many characters in these types of movies that stick with the viewer years after besides the killer themselves we all know freddy krueger we all know michael myers and we all definitely know jason Voorhees. but when it comes to shelly every friday the 13th fan knows who shelly is yeah. not just because of uh you know the the personality of the character uh it's also shelly is etched in friday the 13th history like I said in the beginning of the show, it is because of your character that Jason Voorhees got his iconic mask. And I think that's just great. And, the, you know, that's just, just one of the reasons we were so excited to talk to you tonight. And it's been a fabulous conversation. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. Any final thoughts you want to share with the audience before we say goodnight? Uh, uh I had a great time being in the movie. I love being part of the Friday Thirteenth family. It was it's a great honor, and uh, you know, if you if you see me, if you're out at a convention, please come up and say hi. I'm I'm always happy to. Don't be shy. People sometimes go, "Oh, I saw him, and I didn't go say hi." Come up and say hi. I'm always happy to say hi. Here's a, here's yeah. a little law question: Are you still to this day, to this day, thirty plus years later, still receiving residuals from that movie? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That is so cool. That is so cool. And it's not, it's not bad. I mean, I'll tell you, it's it's like $1,000 a year. Wow. In residual. Wow. You know, For a 40 movie? years later. Yeah. That is that <laughs> is definitely, that is not bad at all. And wow. So, you know, you've had an experience. Uh, yeah, you might have wanted to do more acting, but... You know, you got to look at it and look at the positives of things. And you landed an iconic role and you will forever be etched in horror history as Shelley from Friday the 13th Part 3. And you played that role brilliantly. And like I said, it's just one of the few roles in the especially slasher horror genre that people remember. So great job. Thank you so much for being here with us. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Uh, it's been a great conversation. Uh, I'll be back on the air again tomorrow with our special guest, Xander Berkeley. Uh, Larry, again, thank you so much. And until tomorrow, guys, stay safe. On behalf of Larry and myself, remember, stay walking. Good night.